Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote they are Sports Illustrated. It's amazing. This incredible body of work. I really appreciate the integrity. Everything you do is well done. You guys do a great job. We love it. What can we say? He's Chris Maddox. He's employed by Sports Illustrated. The announcer's got it in for me. There you go. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. You have a problem with it? Build a team that can beat them. Hosted by the one and only. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Crossover NBA Podcast. Glad you could join me this week. As always, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you can download podcasts. When you're there, post a comment, leave a rating. It's very simple, easy, free. And again, the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. All right, very busy week in the NBA. A lot of stuff going on, some weird stuff going on in New York, which is not all that unusual. Uh, great to talk to Jeff Goodman, the uh, senior writer, analyst over at Stadium, uh, former ESPN, CBS Sports, and he joins me uh, here on the phone here. What's up, Jeff? Uh, all's good, man. All's good. We're uh, we're getting into the thick of it here. College hoops, you know, we got NCAA tournament, NBA playoffs not far away. So uh, it, it's good to – when you do a pod, you know, like I host one too, to have no shortage of topics, you know, and have to like – almost cut it down because you have too much as opposed to, you know, in the off season when you're like scrambling to come up with shit, like anything. Yeah. And this is one of those weeks where there are a lot of things to talk about and I got a rundown here, but before we get to the rundown, I got to talk about what happened earlier this week between Spike Lee and the New York Knicks. I mean, this is even for the Knicks. This is one of the weirder stories And most of you listening to this by now have I have a vague understanding of what happened between Spike Lee and the Knicks. Spike apparently went through the uh, employee entrance, which he's been going through for the better part of the last 30 years. 
Uh, he went through the entrance. He was told he could no longer come through the entrance. He got upset about it. Uh, something happened on the floor, some kind of encounter between Spike and James Dolan. Spike, you know, went next level and went on ESPN the next morning and basically said he was done uh, for this season with the Knicks. The Knicks, in what can only be characterized as an insane press release, came out and pushed back saying Spike was wrong. It's laughable that he would, you know, take this kind of position. And now, like, a couple of years after going to war with Charles Oakley, Jeff, the Knicks are now going to war with Spike Lee. Forget about winning games and, you know, operating like a functional franchise. Uh, you know, on, on this Spike Lee stuff happened on a night that the Knicks formally announced Leon Rose, which, you know, should be a good thing for them, and beat the Rockets. So it was a good night overall for them, and none of it matters because this was all about Spike Lee and the Knicks having some sort of weird dysfunctional fight with someone that has been loyal to the organization for a long time. Your your thoughts on what went down with Spike Lee and the Knicks? You know, again, who cares what Dory comes in? He actually wants to go to the games. How many people actually want to go to Knicks games these days? And, and you've got a guy in Spike Lee, you figure it out. Come in whatever door you want. It doesn't matter. Uh, you want to come in through the top floor? We'll open the roof for you. It doesn't matter. Let him in. Uh, but again, it just shows the, the the kind of shit show that the Knicks have been. Continue to be that James Dolan doesn't get it. I don't know about you, but I've had multiple issues with the with the uh, the, the guys at Madison Square Garden. The, uh, uh, the, the what do they dress in red or whatever? The uh, uh, you know the, the the guys who uh, what do you call them? God, I'm so tired. I can't security guys or yeah, the... security, whatever. They don't let you go anywhere. They don't. They are. They're a pain in the ass. I get it. Uh, but ultimately, when Spike Lee walks in that door, Chris, you let him in. You let him go wherever the hell he wants right now. Because like you said, wh why Why is this now going to be about this rather than you want to start a new chapter if you're the Knicks? And I don't know if that chapter is good, bad with, with Leon Rose, but frankly, it's it's worth the risk, right? You've got to get players. Right now, the best way to get players is to hire a guy who's got relationships. and. I don't know if I would have given the keys to the car to Leon Rose, but I would have given him a key to a car and maybe with somebody else had him run this thing. You know, it's worked for, for Bob Myers. It's working for Rob Palenka. We'll see what it does for Leon Rose. But um, ultimately, listen, James Dolan has to get out of his own way, and that's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, I don't even blame Nick's PR for this gaffe because – there has not been a PR person born that's dumb enough to think this is a good idea. Just like, you know, some of the, like the Charles Oakley stuff, the releases the Knicks puts up, most of the releases that the Knicks put out, I would never imagine a PR person, if left to his own devices, would put out that type of statement. So this is all James Dolan, and it begins at the top of his petty bickering with people involved in his franchise. I mean, there are certainly two sides to the Charles Oakley story. There may be two sides to the Spike Lee story, but you just let it go. Don't push back on it. Don't involve yourself in it. It just, it's all nonsense. So, well, this is just another, and look, I, I the talk of Leon Rose, I think is for another, another day. I did find it interesting that the Knicks introduced, you know, announced Leon Rose without introducing Leon Rose. They didn't have any kind of press availability yeah. For Leon Rose, I actually asked someone at the NBA. I said, 
isn't this kind of against the rules? Like, don't you have rules on, you know, the you, you, inter, you, you hire a new Protocol. president, you got to have a yeah. press, press conference, right? And the league's like, some of the league told me, he's like, there isn't a rule in the books for it, but that's mostly because, like, we never envisioned a team doing this. Like, <laughs> you never thought a team would would introduce a new president of basketball operations and not hold a press conference, especially when the guy is a former agent that nobody in the mainstream anyway, Knicks fans for sure, know a hell of a lot about. So that was just another gaffe that the Knicks made that kept them in the news for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, no, again, listen, we we, we probably wasted more time than we needed to uh, on the Knicks because there's certainly more, uh, more entertaining, uh, more upbeat stories to talk about, but uh, this is just another example of, of you know, like PR 101 and how they how Dolan fails. Like you said, you can't blame their PR department. They're they're doing what they do to keep their job. Uh, but, you know, again, we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting to see which door Spike Lee goes in next time he comes to a game. Yeah, well, I don't think it's going to be for the rest of this season. That's for sure. For however long it uh, it lasts. All right. You mentioned some better stories that are out there. One of those better stories especially since the All-Star break, has been Jason Tatum with the Celtics, just taking off offensively. Kemba Walker has been out, or was out the first few games after the All-Star break. Tatum has just been playing out of his mind, posting 30-plus point games, taking and making big shots. The Celtics were 3-1 and one on that road trip after the All-Star break, going through some tough cities and getting wins. The only loss coming in a game against the Lakers uh, you knew Tatum was going to be a good offensive player, Jeff, but he's turned into a pretty special offensive player. You've you've followed this kid since his one year uh, at college at Duke. I mean, what stands out about the way Tatum is playing right now? His confidence. I, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I remember first time I saw him, I think it was after his sophomore year of high school at uh, in Vegas, the summer that LeBron made his uh, made the decision, um, and, and I think. The first thing that, that just blew me away was his IQ, you know, just his understanding of the game, the way he played. He actually passed it really well when he was younger. And I think now he's just turned into a score. And that's what the Celtics have needed from him. But I, I think early on in the season, you know, I remember every game I go to, I, you know, I know him pretty well. So I'll talk to him before the game. I'll talk to him after the game. He probably, you know, gets bored of talking to me. But um, you could just see – his his confidence wasn't there. He wanted it to be, and maybe he acted like it was. But let's face it, when he went to the basket, he shot away from contact. He really did. He wasn't finishing well around the rim. He wasn't embracing contact. And now, not only is he embracing contact, but like just the way he's out there now, he you could tell he thinks he is the best player on the floor every single night. And I think, you know, how much of that can you attribute to him getting picked for the All Star? game probably part of it and I think part of it might have been you know a light or a fire that went on after Kobe's passing and and I haven't talked to him about it specifically but obviously that was his idol and you wonder if he's kind of channeled his inner Kobe to some degree over this last month because it has coincided uh, with Kobe Bryant passing away yeah and I think to add on to that I think some of the ascension of Tatum as of late, you can date back to even before the All-Star game because I, I think there were people on the Celtics coaching staff that were relieved when the All-Star uh, uh, roster was announced because for a while there, you did have Tatum and Brown kind of consumed by it. Like they were they were both kind of, I wouldn't say playing selfishly, 
but they did want to make sure they got their numbers there. So when it, when it all kind of came together and Tatum made the team and Brown didn't, as disappointed as Brown was, I think it freed them both up to play a lot more freely and a lot more like they they have been playing uh, all season long. So, And I think you saw some trend in Tatum's numbers you know, even before the All-Star break uh, had happened. But I just, look, I didn't see, this, see Tatum much except for the little bit I saw when he was at Duke. But as soon as he came to the Celtics, and I do these pre- and post-game broadcasts for, for NBC in Boston, and one of the things I said early on was, look, I think this guy's got a potential to be a 30-point-per-game scorer. Like, he just has all the tools. And not only does he have all the tools, you can see the ones he doesn't have right now that he's eventually going to get. I mean, the easy one is man strength. I mean, he just turned 22 yeah. years old, and he's already starting to play a more physical brand of basketball. When he starts finishing through guys instead of you know trying to score over them at the rim, I mean, how many layups did Tatum miss last year? I mean, he was a layup-missing machine for that team Even last early year. this year, now, Chris. Even, even yeah, early this year. Yeah, and, yeah, and now, now he's you're seeing a lot more, I think a lot more strength from him uh, in going to the rim and finishing over guys. That's only going to improve as his career progresses. It's funny, you, you mentioned Kobe, and I've said this before, I think on this podcast, other places. Like, I remember when Kobe came out with that detail on Tatum, you know, during the 2018 playoffs, and the Celtics coaches were like, damn, man. Like, could he have not come out with that, like, wow. a month right. later? Like, we don't need this coming out now while we're in the middle of the conference finals. Uh, but Tatum, you're right. Like, he he worshipped Kobe. Uh, he wanted to pattern his game after Kobe. And I think now you're starting to see this year kind of the best parts of Kobe's game blended with the modern game that Kobe didn't really embrace throughout, or didn't have to embrace throughout his career. His three-point shot is up. His field goal percentage is up. He still takes those turnarounds and sometimes those long sure. twos that drive people crazy. But, I mean, he's just got the full bag. And I look at Tatum and I see a guy that, you know, the next year or two, maybe, hell, maybe this year, could turn to the number one player on a title-contending team or even a title-winning team. Like, Boston's been waiting to see which one of these guys that they've drafted could emerge as the man. Tatum, next couple of years, I mean, he's going to be the man. He's going to get a max contract from Boston at some point. And then I think the sky's the limit for him. What do you think? Let's put it, I'll, I'll turn it around on you and say, how, how many guys right now, Chris, would you take that are under the in their prime? Jason Tatum right now. If, if you're picking them to start a team with, to start a franchise with, you're taking Giannis. You're probably taking Luka. You're taking Anthony Davis, who's, what, 26, 27, whatever, whatever AD is. Who, who else are you taking over him right now? I don't know. I mean – isn't it crazy? Uh, not, Think about it. Yeah, and, and look, he's gotten better defensively, too. I, I think Jalen is still a notch above him defensively. But, I mean, Tatum's like, again, it's like he's, it's like a, a, a child discovering his, like, the ability to walk and, and do things with your, your arms. Like, Tatum has incredible wingspan. Like, he's yeah. discovering how to utilize that. And Brad Stevens, to his credit, is slowly bringing him around. I mean, it's an interesting question. He might be, he's definitely within the top five of guys you would take right now to start a franchise. I think that's, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. And I, I joke with him all the time that when I, you know, first saw him play and even through Duke that he didn't guard at all. And uh, he'll fight me out a little bit, but he didn't. I mean, he really was not a very good defender. But again, I go back to, you said his, his length, right? His length, his wingspan. But I go back to his, his IQ. And his ability to pick things up and be in the right. So he's got kind of everything to his game, right? I mean, he can 
He can score from all three levels. Uh, he knows where he needs to be. The only thing I've said, here's the only thing that I riff on, on Jason Tatum for. And I've told him this to his face. He, he's got to stop with the officials. He's got to stop crying and whining and putting his arms in the air, Chris, because eventually the official, he's not going to get any calls. He is not a superstar yet. And he's been doing this for pretty much the last year and a half. And, and you don't want to be that guy that the refs are not going to give you the call. You want to be the guy that the refs are going to give you the call. And off the court, it's so funny. You've been around him enough. Like, off the court, he's the most even keel, mellowest dude in the world. And then when he gets a perceived call against him, he just can't control himself. And the last guy we had here in Boston like that was Perk. And he never got a call. Now, obviously, he's 100 times better than Perk. But still, you don't want to be that guy. And I think that's the one area. If I'm going to say the one area like Jason Tatum's got to work on, it's really nothing to do with his skill set or anything like that. It It's up here and just controlling his emotions. Yeah, I mean, if you – I understand that you want to get the respect of the referees, but you're right. Every single possession, you, you can't do it. You've you've got to you got to give the referees a play or two off here or there, and and then maybe look. I, I know I know referees from talking to to some in the past. Like they appreciate if you just kind of walk up to them after or during a timeout, right. and say, "Look, here's That's what right. happened here. I keep getting whacked. He's got his hand on my hip, and and look, I think you're far more likely to get a call that way." You know, whether it's Jason Tatum or otherwise, than by just exploding every time out. That just doesn't yeah. work. Um, so you know, here, here Boston sits right now, battling for that number two seed with Toronto. And I'm, I'm left to wonder kind of what their ceiling is this year. I mean, I think this year they came in, there were not championship expectations for this team. They lost Kyrie. They lost out on Anthony Davis. They bring in Kemba Walker. But I think people looked at this team as being a cut below the top tier. What do you think of now? As, as we sit here in early March, I mean, how far can this Boston team go? Because, Jeff, my biggest concern with the Celtics continues to be that front court. I, th- I think Daniel Tice should be considered as one of the most improved players in the NBA because of the responsibility he had to take on stepping in for Al Horford and Aaron Baines and keeping the Celtics as a top-five defense, which is remarkable to me. Uh, Cantor has been better than he's ever been in his career. Even Grant Williams has given them solid minutes as kind of a uh, a backup five. But is this front court and is this team good enough to take on Milwaukee in the in in a conference final? Because that's the bar, right? I think they can beat Toronto. I think they can yeah. beat Miami. I think they can beat Philadelphia. I just, you know, the the championship runs through Milwaukee, and I'm just not sure that they're big enough to match up with that team. I think they can, but but you're right. I mean, listen, Daniel Tice has, has been unbelievable, but uh, when you put him up against that Bucks front line, uh, they all look small compared to those guys. So, you know, Toronto, yeah, if you're in that 2-3, whatever it is, you play Toronto in the Eastern Conference semis, you like your chances in that one. I, I'm actually – I might be more concerned playing Indiana. You know, if you're the three and the Pacers are the six, that might scare me more than Toronto, and I know that's crazy to say. But I think Nick Nurse has, has done such a ridiculous job. Uh, like, he's runaway, runaway coach of the year for me in, in the NBA this year. Um, you don't give I, it I don't before try- – uh, before I let you go, let me let me pause there. I agree Nick Nurse has been awesome. How much credit to give Frank Vogel in L.A.? Like, that, that to me is the only other alternative. 
Yeah, because, I mean, again, you're managing the egos, right? Like somehow just dealing with that is, is, is worth it in itself. But I, I just think when you look at the roster that Nick Nurse and everything he's had to deal with losing Kawhi, that, that dude is special. I mean, he is incredible handling just getting the most. I mean, they're playing a, a backcourt of Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet. They're, they're midgets. They're two midgets out there. So I, I would give it to him clearly. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Celtics have a shot. I do. I think chemistry, the chemistry in the team, as we know, is is so much better. Uh, minus one point guard and, and swapping in another one in his place. Because Kemba is the ultimate team guy. And everybody loves playing with him. And everybody loves being around him. And he's not a big ego guy. And as I told him, um, I, I saw him smile more in one game than I saw from Kyrie in two years in Boston. And and it, it does. I mean, it makes a difference in that locker room. Having a Grant Williams, right, who's just upbeat and always had – like that locker room was painful to walk in a year ago. And now you can tell those guys like each other. Do they have enough to beat Milwaukee? I, I don't know, but I don't really trust Eric Bledsoe. I, I don't. He scares me in the postseason. Giannis obviously does not, but I think – when you look at the Kemba Bledsoe matchup, the Celtics have to win that uh, in that series. And I think now you've got a star in Tatum. That That's the difference, right? When we looked into it, I didn't think Tatum would do what he's doing over the last month. Nobody did. Tatum didn't. Nobody. I know you said you thought he'd be maybe a 30-point scorer, but you didn't think it would be now. So it's accelerated. So now you've got a superstar. And, and I think, again, you got to win that point guard matchup in that series. And Gordon Hayward needs to be – Damn close to the old Gordon Hayward. Yeah, you make a good point on the point guard matchup. I think if you obliterate that point guard matchup, you can have some doubt start to creep into the Milwaukee Bucks a little bit because there isn't a Malcolm Brogdon there to back up Bledsoe and and save him in those situations. George Hill's been great shooting the ball, but he's not the complete player that Brogdon was. Yeah, that's I think, and plus Milwaukee, we all know the pressure on them is significant and far more significant than it's going to be on Boston uh, this year. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. If, if Kemba can just dominate, look, the last time the Celtics played at Milwaukee, Kemba had like 40 something yeah. in that game. I don't think, I forget if Bledsoe played in that game, but Kemba's shown that he can, you know, burst out and have uh, incredible nights against that Milwaukee Bucks uh, defense. So yeah, Boston to me has just become, and, and it's funny, like I was, riding the Boston train last year and the year before, and now I'm like one of the skeptics out there. I've turned into a, yeah. a Boston skeptic because I just worry about, you know, Robin Lopez and Brooke Lopez and Giannis in that front court. Like, how how much can that front line of Boston's take, especially when, like, Jalen's defending fours and Tatum's having to defend bigger players? It just sometimes that can wear you down a little bit. All right, I want to talk a little bit about the – the rookie class here and we spent the first half of the season watching Ja Morant do incredible things look as good as advertised yeah. uh, in Memphis mid-season we get Zion back into the mix and we now remember why Zion was the consensus number one pick in the draft I was watching that game against the Lakers the other night when it was Zion versus LeBron and like most people Jeff I'm just sitting there going let's just hope New Orleans gets that eight seed because I will take, oh. you know, at minimum four more games of this. Let's take four more games of Zion versus LeBron and just see like the hatred on the face of the ex Lakers, you know, with uh, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and those guys just trying to 
try to upset LeBron one time, be the best 1-8 matchup I can remember in a while. But Zion and Morant, give me your thoughts on both those guys and, and how they performed their rookie year. You know, after missing 40-some odd games, like I'm just shocked that Zion has come in like this. And again, I go back to two years ago, Chris. I'm in the I'm at the McDonald's game, and I'm talking to NBA guys there that whole week. They practice every single day. And it wasn't like Zion stood out. I mean, again, people forget going into his freshman year at Duke, he was probably like fourth or fifth on everybody's mock drafts for the most part. It was all R.J. Barrett was one. Cam Reddish might have been ahead of him in most people's mock drafts. Um, but the kid just plays so damn hard. And, and that's the part that I don't think he showed a lot, um, even in high school. He didn't play with that motor consistently. And then you were always like, you know, all he does is dunk. But his skill level is a lot better. He passes it better. And, man, he's just – he's a kid you root for. Like I, I've said, if anybody hates Zion, like I hate you. Like, how can you hate Zion Williamson? You can't. Like, the kid is the best to deal with, always smiling. He always says the right things, right? Post game, you hear him. He's always complimenting the other team and very mature for, for everything he's been through. So, uh, Zion and me, again, when we talked about the players that you might take over Jason Tatum, you know, Zion's got to be in that, in that equation. He's got to be, uh, he's got to be mentioned there. Um, Ja, like, again, special because the difference with Ja in, in every other point guard is not only does he have that gear and that athleticism, but you combine it with that court vision. And I don't know any other point guard who's got that. I always say, you know, he's got some like Mike Conley and Russell Westbrook in him. Like, that's ridiculous to have both, right, to have that. And he's got some of that Mike Conley, I think, as being a teammate, too. But But more ferocity. You know, he'll dunk on you like Russ, but he'll also run a team like Russ really can't do, like Mike Conley. And uh, I listen, there's no reason to believe that John Morant's not going to be the best point guard in this league at some point, probably sooner than we thought. Yeah, the, the upside of, of Zion for me is that he has proven in a short period of time that he can play the five. And I, I'm watching him kind of just knock back Steven Adams and, you know, knock back Dwight Howard. And these are veteran, men. you yeah, know, they're men. T these are grown men that yeah, Zion yeah. is pushing back. And yeah. as you know, Jeff, the, the physical jump that guys take the reshaping of their bodies that begins to happen between that first and second year, the, the summer between when you're drafted and you first play, that's just like it's summer league and it's kind of getting used to the NBA you really drill down on your body when you get into that that first real summer. I think Zion's going to come back next fall reshaped even more. Like his upper body, I think, will be more toned, and, and he'll be even better. So if you can play Zion at the five, and that three-point shot comes around to the point where he's like, not you know not 40%, but you know, like right. low to mid-30s, he, yeah. Yeah, he is just going to be be a threat. So that's what I like about him. I like the, the, the ability for him to be a stretch five in this league. John Morant, I finally got to see him in LA a couple weeks back. Watched him on TV a bunch, but saw him play for the first time. His explosiveness is is incredible. And he's another guy that like I'm looking at him. He's so small out there. Like he is very slight of frame at this point. He has kind of the burst to your point about uh, Conley and Westbrook. He's got the burst of Westbrook and the frame right now of Conley. I'm curious to see how 
how much further along he's going to be able to get physically. Can he get big enough to bang with these guys every single night? I'm also a little worried when it comes to Morant. Like, is he going to get hurt at some point? Because he he is a high flyer up there at the rim, and he takes some shots. Like, he goes down hard in a lot of games, and that concerns me. But, I mean, those two guys, they're... And I, I look at the draft class from last year. I mean, I think a lot of people said going in, it was a two-person draft. At this point, it kind of looks like a two-person draft right now. When you you look down, it's you know R.J. Barrett is there. Yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess I guess my question for you on that is like, it, what do you what do you think of Barrett? Like he's shot like thirty percent from three this year. He's forty percent from the floor. He's obviously in a dysfunctional situation. But I mean, how high are you on Barrett becoming a top-flight player? Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a high-volume guy. That, that's what he is. He's never going to be a great shooter. Um, you know, he, 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 he kind of played bully ball through a lot of his career. I think he's a good piece, but he can't be your best player. Not, not for a really good team. I, I actually think, and you, you kind of asked me this off the air a little bit of, of who I would, who I would take, uh, if we did it over at the number three spot, I would probably take Kobe white. I really would. I think Kobe white fits today's NBA so well. And and I like the kid too. Like he's 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 an electric scorer. He can really shoot the ball, and he doesn't give a shit about any of the the exterior things. He just wants a hoop, and, and I think that has served him very well. Small town kid. Um, nobody thought he'd be one and done at Carolina. What didn't come in as a point guard, but they had no choice. Had to play him at the point. And uh, you know, I don't think he's going to save Jim Bolin or uh, Gar Foreman or Pax's jobs. But I think the next guy who gets uh, who gets the Bulls head coaching job is going to have a really – they got good players with the Bulls. They don't have any great players, but I think Kobe White is a guy that could be like a top 10-ish point guard in the league. That's good enough to to at least kind of build around if you're Chicago. Yeah, look, one thing about Foreman and Paxson in Chicago is that they do draft pretty well yep. out there. They make a million mistakes everywhere else, whether it's free agency or yes. – you know, coaching, you know, due respect to Jim Boylan, but I'm watching the game the other night. He's calling, he's calling a timeout while Sadoransky's like oh taking a layup God. at the I end saw. of the game. Yeah. <laughs> he's calling a timeout. And, yeah. and you know, like he's a rah-rah no type of no, guy. No feel for your players. That's, that's the problem with Jim Boylan. He wants to be Tom Izzo too much, who he coached with years ago. And you got to have a feel for today's climate in the NBA. Let, let's be honest. If you're not connecting with your players, you got no shot. I just don't know. I don't know what they were thinking at the end of last year. I mean, the end of last year it wasn't like they they charged to the finish line. But I mean, I guess they like Jim Boylan's kind of hard nosed attitude with these no, guys. No, 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 no. Be... You know, you know what it was. You know what it is. It's he's a yes man. He's a yes man for him. And, and Gar and Pax, what do they want? They want a guys that would protect them ultimately. And by giving Jim Boylan the job, he, he's going to feel. Uh, you know, a, a debt of, of sincerity to them forever. So he's going to protect them. He's going to go to the wall for them, which I get. But, you know, Jim Boylan, again, the, the, the interesting trivia question for Jim Boylan, I'll give it to you, was years ago, um, he was the head coach at Utah. And uh, Arizona offered Sean Miller the job. He actually said no to it for a few hours, came back and took it later. But the next guy in line was Jim Boylan to get the Arizona job. No. Nope. That would have changed history, that's for sure. Uh, out there, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what the Bulls do at the end of this season. Um, clean house, they clean, clean house. 
Well, you you think that – I've thought that for a while now, but they just don't do it. So I don't know what happens there. But they do – to your point, to, to bring it kind of full circle, I think Kobe White is is a very, very good player. And I think they found something there in Chicago uh, with that young kid. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is – and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Rockets here because, look, I was not a fan of the deal that you know sent Clint Capella out, brought Robert Covington in, and all of a sudden they're going to play small ball. I thought it was a little gimmicky. I thought it would all kind of come back to bite them. But, you know, the game against the Knicks notwithstanding, because that was a clunker, uh, you know, the game against Boston, they played well. And overall, they played really well with this small lineup. They have played physically with that small lineup. P.J. Tucker has been very good. Robert Covington during minutes has been very good. And most importantly, Russell Westbrook has been great. Like, that is the key to all this. After a decade plus in the league, Russell Westbrook has figured out that he is not a three-point shooter. And even when teams are begging him to take three-point shots, leaving him within, not within 15 feet, you know, putting centers on him, daring him to take anything from beyond the three-point line, he's not doing it. And by not doing it, he's making himself more efficient, he's making that offense more efficient, and he's given the Rockets a chance to surprise people. So I guess I'll put it this way to you, Jeff. Buy or sell that the Houston Rockets can win the Western Conference? Yeah, sell. I I don't believe it. I think it's good short-term, and I think teams have had to adjust and I like the fact that Russ has played like a man possessed without Capella. I think the spacing has been better, uh, allows him to kind of get to the basket and um, be able to kind of use that athleticism, that body control. But I don't I don't think you sustain it, uh, certainly not in the NBA playoffs. I, I think you get worn down. You get crushed on the glass. All it's going to take 
again, is a, you know, listen, you got two guys to worry about. And maybe Eric Gordon coming off the bench that can really score. But are you are you all that worried about Covington or Daniel House or, you know, P.J. Tucker? No. I mean, they're they're tough guys. But I, I think, again, when you change what you do in the, in the middle of the season, it's actually harder for other teams to adjust to that. And they've caught some other teams off guard, been able to win some games. We'll see if they can kind of keep this going down the stretch or if they get worn down. Yeah, I'm going to say sell as well, but I'm going to do it and with the caveat that I don't have a lot of confidence in that prediction, only because I I never all the things I thought about Houston, none of them have actually come true. Like I never <laughs> believed that Russ and Harden, despite being good friends coming into this season, could make it work because they're both ball dominant players. But here we are, well past the midseason point, and they're on great terms. They seem to be really happy playing together, and they've been really effective. In that degree, I didn't like the deal, as I said, that traded away Clint Capella. But watching this team play, I do think that they have a higher ceiling with this group. I think if you kept Capella around, yeah. you might have won a first round series. But I think when you got to a conference semi against a Lakers or a Clippers team, you would have lost. Now, with this group, you certainly have the potential to just shock people by having those two guys go for a, a big numbers and making teams play. Uh, their style. But I still go back and I talked about the size problem with Boston. Like, how did they look against Utah in a seven game series? How about Denver in a seven game right. series? The Lakers and Clippers who can throw big bodies at you. Is Westbrook going to continue to be efficient when he's staring down Gobert and Jokic and Dwight Howard and all these centers? What, what the Jazz did early on, I think, is going to be a blueprint for teams in the postseason. Put your biggest defender on Russell Westbrook, take away those rim runs from him and dare him to hit bank shots from 17 feet away. Now, he's done that, but can he continue to do that in the playoffs? That's why why I'm, let's call it selling with an asterisk on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I just, I don't buy it. And again, I think those two guys um, under adversity, I, I don't know how good they're going to be. Uh, I don't think either is a very good leader. You know, and I think you better have a, a hell of a, a strong locker room. I think P.J. Tucker is a really good leader. and and But, again, how much of those guys going to uh, follow what P.J. Tucker does ultimately when things go bad, which I think they could do, like you said, if you you know, you know end up playing a, a Utah in the first round, which right now that's who they're in line to play, that's not a great matchup for them. No. You know what's, what's interesting, too, to spin it forward a little bit? Like, Mike D'Antoni doesn't have a contract for next year. Like, if you're going to keep this group together, don't you have to keep Mike? Like, is there another coach that yeah. could coach this team like, with, with these <laughs> players? Not. Like, No, no. Mike D'Antoni's like the mellowest dude in the world. He will let them do whatever the hell they want and whatever. Like, like he doesn't get rattled by anything. You're right. Like, how many coaches could deal with those two, the way they play, right? Not only the way they play on the court and how they act on the court, but how they act off the court as well and deal with those, man, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it takes a special individual, uh, probably somebody who's, who's Mike D'Antoni's age who could just kind of let things, um, you know, kind of go off him at this point. Yeah, no matter what, I think Mike's made himself more valuable to that team. But it could be a weird offseason in Houston if this team doesn't uh, live up to expectations. Yeah. All right, a couple of things I want to – run through with you before we finish. Uh, haven't talked to you since uh, John Beeline walked away 
uh, from uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Just we're I mean, calling it walked away. We've seen, wait, 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 we're calling uh, well, this walked well, away, Chris. Well, well, whatever. <laughs> what what, word, what phrase would you use? Pushed well, pushed out the door. Uh, mutinied by his team. There you uh, go. Whatever, yes. however you want to phrase it. There's a lot well, of wait, wait, a lot wait, of ways Chris, you can look at. When you do an hour of footwork drills in the first practice. That's it. Like you got no shot when you try to do that. And, and Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson look at you like, what the hell is grandpa doing here? Like, come on. I mean, Beeline's a hell of a coach, but not with that group and not in the NBA. I don't think period at 67. He, he's an old 67. Like there, there are some young 67s who could have pulled it off. Not John Beeline. He doesn't have, you know, you know, the NBA is so much about relationships with the players. And unless you win at the highest level, and Brad was really lucky. Brad Stevens was fortunate that he was able to win in year two enough to get that group to kind of respect him. If he hadn't, and you go through as a college coach a couple years without success, your team says, you know what? They don't blame it on themselves. You you think players in that Cleveland team are saying, well, we're not good enough. No, they're saying he's not good enough. He can't coach. What the hell is he doing here running again? having us in film session for an hour and a half. Like, this is bullshit. We're not playing for this guy. Like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, especially the veterans, because I remember early in the season hearing from from some people where it was like, you know, they went from practicing, and I would say practicing, like showing up at 12 and leaving at 2, to yeah. having to be there at like between 9 and 10 and leaving between <laughs> 3 and 4. Like, it was just that ain't gonna you know, work. film sessions. Right. Film sessions that went on an interminable amount of time <laughs> that you're just going back over bad tape. That's just like maybe if it was a team of all Darius Garland's and Colin Sexton's, maybe yeah. you could make yeah. that work, but not with the roster they currently have. But I tell you, you know this this better than I do. But when they hired John Beeline, I'm looking around going like, how is a 66 year old lifetime college coach? How does that make any sense on any level? Like for John Beeline, I thought it made perfect sense. Like he could get out of college basketball while it was starting to hit rock bottom. And yep. if he ever wanted to go back, probably can. But he could have this retirement gift of, of coaching the NBA for the first time at 66. For the Cavs, it's not even like an outside-the-box choice. It's not even like a Brad Stevens from Butler or some other mid-major young coach you could tab Tony Bennett. because you believe Tony it. Bennett. Tony Bennett. Okay, right. Now you do that, you say to yourself, okay, it makes some sense. Now, those guys weren't taking that job, and that's the difference. Is John Beeline at 66, 67 was saying, this is it for me. I don't have to recruit anymore. I know Mike Gansey well. I know Kobe Altman through Gansey. I'm going to take a shot here because – it's the final thing I can cross off on my bucket list of going from, you know, Lemoyne to Canisius to West Virginia to Michigan, being in a couple title games, whatever. But you're right. Like, I, I didn't really understand it when they hired him. I mean, I, I, I heard why they thought they did it. They thought they did it because he can really coach and he can get the most out of that team and teach them the fundamentals and how to play basketball the right way, and especially that young team. And they were going to flip over a ton of players. They had all these expiring contracts this year. So I think it was as much for this year as it was next year uh, to just get the, the franchise back to where they were competitive again. Uh, but they didn't they didn't plan for the fact that, again, his style, his 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 coaching kind of his personality probably just does not fit with today's NBA players, no matter what team you put him with. 
Yeah, I agree with that. You you mentioned Jay Wright, and I wonder how long Jay Wright can resist NBA overtures because everyone yeah. I talk to at NBA front offices, they all tab him as that guy, not only because of his coaching acumen, but to everything we just talked about, they believe he gets it. They believe that yep. he could step into an NBA situation and understand that it's not about him, understand that the way he coaches has to change and and just evolve and adapt from there. I mean, I think that, look, he's had opportunities. I mean, you know, I think very recently the Phoenix Suns were into him, yep. uh, what was it, a couple of years back. And, you know, I'm sure the Knicks have been interested at different times. But I, I wonder what it's going to take to get Jay Rod throw in USA basketball. Like he's got experience with those USA basketball staffs, which always helps you kind of make that jump. I mean, I, I wonder how long it's going to be Jeff till we see Jay Wright in the NBA. It's a Sixers. I mean, it could be this year. This is the year. I think it's going to be very interesting because let's face it. If, if the Sixers don't get to the Eastern conference finals, I, I think Brett Brown's gone. And I think Elton brand could be gone. So, Wright is a Philly guy through and through. Like, you know, it said he's not going to leave Villanova, uh, but I think the one job is the Sixers. However, however, he is so close to it, living in that city. Does he know how dysfunctional that locker room is, potentially is, and has been over the last few years with, you know, Ben Simmons and Joel and last year with Jimmy Butler, you know, kind of partnering up with Joel. I mean, it hasn't been great in there in Philly in that locker room, as we know. So does Jay Wright get scared away? Or does he say, hey, this is the only job I'm taking in the NBA. And now now is the opportunity whenever Brett, who I love. I love Brett Brown as a guy. But you got to, listen, you got to go to at least the Eastern Conference Finals with all that talent. Well, I mean, I guess the, my question would be, what if they don't have all that talent? What if Ben Simmons and this back injury is significant enough that it keeps him out of games or – even the playoffs. What if Joel Embiid's shoulder injury uh, flares up again before the postseason? Does Brett Brown get a pass because of that? Because look, that I, to play devil's advocate on Brett Brown, you gave him a team that is inherently and fundamentally flawed. flawed. I mean, flawed. Ben Simmons yeah, is right. great. Yep. Joel Embiid is great, but you can't win in the NBA without shooting, and they don't have any of it. So. You know, I, I look. I, I'm not going to sit here and say Brett uh, Brett Brown is Red Auerbach. He's. I don't even think he's Brad Stevens. But uh, I do think that any coach would have problems with a team that doesn't have shooters out there on the floor. Uh, but don't we blame Brett Brown for not saying to Ben Simmons, starting a year or two ago, if you don't shoot two or three threes every game, I'm going to bench your ass. Like you are not playing. I don't care if you go for three every night. In order for us to do something in the playoffs, you have to be a threat from there. The only way for you to be a threat from there is to shoot it. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 they're flawed. They are flawed. And I kind of said that. I remember who I was arguing with early on in the Celtics media room. But they were saying to me how good individually everybody is on that Sixers team, especially defensively. And I said, that's great. But, like, who can guard those kind of wings, right? Like, like, they just don't fit together. They didn't have shooting. We knew that. But more than that, it was like the, the pieces of playing Embiid, Hortford, and Tobias together didn't seem to fit well. So, yeah, who do you blame for that? I guess you got to blame Elton Brand a little bit. But Jimmy Butler was ready to screw up another locker room. So you kind of had to get rid of him. Well, I mean, look, 
the the Butler stuff is is complicated to me because, yeah, he he is a, a locker room issue, no question about it. But that team is that team was like a bouncing ball away from potentially getting to the conference finals. Then who knows what happens from there? And to to let Jimmy Butler walk and to let JJ Redick walk and have your plan be to sign Al Horford and bring out you know swap out Butler for Josh Richardson. I just don't know how that was was an upgrade with, with that group. I, I get that part of the reason you sign Al Horford is to get him away from Boston, but that seems to have backfired because Boston seems to be doing just fine without Al Horford. I think they're I think Boston's bigger problem is not having Aaron Baines at this point. But you have to to make that kind of swap out. I mean, to me, that's that begins with Elton Brand. Like if he's the decision maker on those things, you know that 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 to me never made never made any sense. And the Simmons stuff. To your point on Simmons, like. I don't understand why he won't just throw up threes from anywhere. Like, his entire, the entire organization is all but begging him to miss threes. Not not make threes, to miss threes. They don't care. Take miss threes, yep. just go take them. And whether it's Brett Brown or Elton Brand or Joel Embiid, nobody seems to be getting through to him. And, and this is... This is one of those weird things. Like, is it psychological? Does he just not want to put himself in a position where he could fail? <sighs> I, I can't, Jeff, I can't wrap my head around it. I, I can't either, and I've known him forever, and I can't figure it out either because most kids, when you tell them they can't do something, what are they going to do? They're going to try to prove to you from a young age. And, and we've been saying about this for Ben since he was in high school, but certainly at LSU. So most kids are going to say, like, I'm going to show you. He's never done that, and part of me really respects it in a sense that he's saying maybe – well, you know what? I know where my bread is buttered. I understand that we're we're going to be more successful if I'm scoring around the rim. I'm more effective there. But then the other part of me says, well, if you're looking at it from a team perspective, you should be looking at it down the road of, well, if I'm doing this, I'm not getting better. And the spacing is going to be worse when it matters in the playoffs because they're not guarding me from from anywhere. They're going to they're going to rondo me. And uh, and, and I think ultimately it's almost a selfish move not to take these threes because it's not for the betterment of the team or really for the betterment of you. So I'm with you. It's perplexing to me, but Ben Simmons is a little bit perplexing to me as a kid. And again, you go Ben and Joel and they are like, could not be more opposite personalities. So I think that's part of it is does Ben, um, does Ben kind of, have some pent up, uh, I don't know if it's anger is the right word or whatnot, over the fact that Joel has kind of gotten special treatment since Ben arrived in Philly. You know, Joel can practice when he wants to practice. It's Joel's rules. It's Joel's team. And I'm sure that's hard for Ben Simmons, who's feeling like, hey, listen, I'm I'm a star in this league, too. Uh, why are there special rules for, the, for, for Joel? You know, if you're Ben Simmons, just look up the road to Boston and look at Marcus Smart and his attitude on shooting. Like, Marcus has been a historically bad three-point shooter, but Marcus sure. does not give a shit. Marcus will keep firing threes all game long. He took, this is a game in January, he took 22 three-pointers in a game against wow. Phoenix. Now, he made a he made half of them. He was having a great night, but you look up and down his game log, like, he is not afraid to pull the trigger on three-point shots. And look, he made himself into a serviceable three-point shooter. I mean, he started his career 
really bad from beyond the three-point line. And he's really become bad. a he's become a fairly consistent. I'm looking at the numbers here. Now he's at right around 35%, was 36 last year. The last two years, he has become a mid-30s three-point shooter, which is pretty good when you consider everything so else would, Marcus would brings to the table. Chris, would Ben Simmons, if he played for Brad Stevens, be shooting threes? It's a good question. Or is is it Brad Stevens or is it, you know, Marcus Smart's desire just to be to will no, himself into a three-point shooter? Hey, Brad, Brad let Aaron Baines let it fly from three. Yeah. He would let you if you went I don't know how you shoot the ball from three, but my my, my guess is yeah. it's not overly efficient or effective. Right? He'd Agreed. let you Agreed. he'd let you let it fly. Like as long as you guard, Ben Simmons does, you'd have the green light to shoot as much as you want. The, the difference would be, again, would somebody hold Ben Simmons accountable and say, listen, I'm going to bench your ass. If you don't shoot the three, you are not playing tomorrow night. I want at least one, and then eventually I want two. All it's going to take is him take one every night, and then one becomes two, and two becomes three, and maybe he makes some, and he gets some confidence and everything. It's like Markel Fultz, right? Like, get some confidence. I know he had the injury and everything like that, but – once you get some confidence, okay, it's in the rear view. Once Ben Simmons starts taking some threes and making some threes, it's in the rear view. Yeah, I'm with you. Just start shooting them up and, and see yeah. what happens. I mean, this is we're reaching a kind of a critical juncture with Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Uh, Let me finish with this. Kyrie Irving, his season is over in Brooklyn. 20 games, the fewest he's played in his career. Dealt with, you know, leg injuries early on. Shoulder injury is what ended his season. Had surgery 
on his right shoulder just this week. Uh, how do you evaluate this season for Kyrie? Because part of it, we knew that coming in, you know, the real Nets season or the real Nets era started next year when Kevin Durant comes back. But I don't think anyone is all that encouraged by having 20 games out of Kyrie Irving, nor do I think you can look at the games he played in with Spencer Dinwiddie and with Karis LeVert as being all that good or all that effective. I mean, give me your takeaway from uh, Kyrie's first season in Brooklyn. I think it was the best thing that could have happened to the Brooklyn Nets. And here's why. If he played 80 games, he does what he does Celtics a year ago. He kind of poisons them by only playing 20 games. Those guys still feel pretty good about themselves, right? He didn't, he didn't do any of that. So now he comes in next year with KD, and it's a totally different deal. Now you're playing to win. Now you have a chance to, to win at the highest level as long as Kevin Durant is healthy. So what I think this year, they could have taken a major step backward. He could have crushed the chemistry of this team. Instead, it's intact going into next year because he didn't play enough games to F it up. <laughs> so so they're better off by Kyrie playing a quarter of the season. Got a little taste of him. He got to know Brooklyn a little bit. <laughs> yes. uh, all right, I guess I guess I could buy that because look, it is going to be a different mindset next year when Durant's back. Kyrie wants to play with Durant. Durant wants to play with Kyrie, and look, we saw with Harden Westbrook, it works in part because they wanted to do that. I, I just I wonder, I like in Boston, I wonder about the supporting cast. Like, will Dinwiddie want to be there? Will Karis Levert want to be there? Is Joe Harris going to be there? Is you know Jared? Uh, 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 well, I'm blanking on Jared Allen. Jared Allen's like, will he yeah, want to yeah. be there? Like, remember, I, well, it, probably not. Probably not because remember, Kyrie didn't mention Jared Allen's name when that's he true about all the the players or Joe the Harris. that he actually wanted to play with. Right, right, right. So probably not. But Jared's a pretty simple dude. Maybe he doesn't care. I, the other part that I should say, the only part that would concern me about Kyrie only playing 20 games is that he is pretty injury prone lately. I had somebody tell me a couple of years ago um, that he's got old man knees. Now, again, for Kyrie, does that, he's not the most explosive dude in the world. Um, you know, I, I just think the body will will it start to wear down. And now you've got KD, who's in his 30s, coming off a couple of significant injuries now. Can he be himself? And you got Kyrie, who's in his mid-20s, mid to late-20s now, who, again, is a knee, shoulder injuries, all of this. Uh, it, it's going to be fascinating next year. I mean, that that's the the cool part of it is the Nets are going to be really fun. Uh, and, and if Kyrie screws this team up, this chemistry up, boy, I, I, I wouldn't want to be him because he will get – I mean, he's getting a free pass again, I think, in, in New York to some degree, right? I mean, which he got in Boston for a little while, even though I try to tell media people, like, just wait, just wait. Like, this dude – He's just different. He's just he, he's got no no leadership, not a lot of intangibles, condescending. He's moody. He's super talented, super talented, but he can't be a number one guy. He just can't. He thought he could, um, and he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't know how to deal with people. He he's just not a. Again, he's not a, a, a high accountability guy. And and I think when you're that good, um, and maybe it's insecurities. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't figure him out. Uh, but again, he's he's certainly uh, hurt himself over the last couple of years. And, you know, he's got a chance to kind of come back from it if he can be the kind of uh, Robin 
to to KD and Batman if if they can get back and and have a chance to go deep in the you know next year they got they got to go deep in the playoffs. Yeah, look, I think what we've learned as this season kind of winds down is that look, if you're Sean Marks, you had to do this package deal. Like this was available to you. That's right. You have to take it. But there is a increasingly high degree of probability that this whole thing could be a disaster. If Kevin comes back and is not the same player, if this latest injury is a harbinger of things to come for Kyrie, because you're right, he is the knees are a problem. Now the shoulder is a problem. He's get he's past, you know, he's getting up there in age. Uh yeah, if these things start to add up and one guy misses a period of time, another guy, then the chemistry issues boil up. I mean, this could be catastrophically bad. Like we talked about variance with the Houston Rockets. There's a lot of variance with this Brooklyn Nets team. They could come together and be the best yeah. team in the NBA next year, win a championship easily, or they could wind up as like a five seed that gets beat in the second round. And then where do you go with all these guys under contract for a long period of time? I don't know. It's, yeah, worth rolling the dice, worth rolling the dice, but uh, it'll be fascinating. I mean, again, Kyrie is fascinating. Yes, and I, I can't wait till to see the schedule to see exactly when Kyrie will return to Boston. I'm sure Boston fans will have forgiven it for You think he's going to actually play? Point, you, know? think he's, you think he's going to come to Boston at, next year? Come on. At some at some point he has to, right? Like he, <laughs> At some point he has to. I mean, <laughs> I know people in Boston. Today, Chris. Chris, he I know. Had surgery. I know. They're I know. Supposed to play the Celtics today. They picked this day for him to have surgery. Like, like it's incredible how many things come up to prohibit him from at least traveling to Boston again and 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 facing the music. Whether it's one year, two years, or three years, Jeff. I mean, <laughs> you live in Boston. You know the, these fans are going to be there to get their piece of him. Like that's like they're they're gonna they're gonna get. They're going to get their piece of the action on that one. That That is 100% for sure. Uh, Jeff, always appreciate it, man. Keep up the great work over at Stadium. You can check out Jeff's podcast as well. Follow him on Twitter, at Goodman Hoops. Jeff, always terrific stuff, man. Really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate it, too. And uh, if you need any gambling advice on the NCAA tournament, uh, don't come to me because uh, it's going to be tough. This, this tournament, just kind of uh, pick out of a hat, roll dice, Whatever you want to do, because uh, it's going to be crazy. By the way, I'd like to use this forum to invite John Beeline, if he wants to coach at Boston College, to uh, you know, feel free to reach out, and uh, I'll happily you can stay you can stay at my place. <laughs> Will you put some money? You'll put some money in the uh, pot. I'm, as a as a as a, you know, I don't know what kind of donor I consider myself. I mean, you can throw a couple of bucks here or there. Sure, I'll rent. I got a spare bedroom. I'll he can if he wants to live on the South Shore. I'm happy to. Why to do help you have nothing? Why do you have nothing in your walls? I know, I know, people that are listening to this podcast can't can't see this, but we're doing a video version right now, and you have nothing behind you on the walls, zero. No, this is this is my. It's in my spare bedroom. I don't have uh, a lot uh, a lot going on over here. You got to You need to decorate my, my walls. Decorated. Jeff, we need to get your interior decorated. You got it, man. Later.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 